Hello, and thank you for checking out 5 to 10 Minutes with Marvin. Hello, everyone, and how are you doing? The title, The Pilfering of African Wealth. How did it start? Well, for one thing, let's say the rationale for Black-on-Black enslavement. They had to have a, a rationale, right, a reasoning. Well, this was the start of it. West African tribal chiefs had a long history of exchanging slaves with Arab traders. Eventually, they expanded the practice to European traders an important trading custom of the tribal chiefs was to insist that all foreign trades purchase some of the chiefs' personal slaves in order to demonstrate an act of good faith in bargaining. Historians such as Norman Coons, August Meyer, and Elliot Ruderick posed that tribal chiefs could have included this slave purchasing, this slave purchasing ritual in their trading practices for the purposes of impressing Arab traders with their toughness as well as their absolute control over their subjects and resources. If this was in fact their motive, then they succeeded. The Arab and European traders became convinced that if tribal chiefs could procure slaves, the trade would be profitable and they had no reason to expect reprisal from any black nations. A massive slave trading operation developed, and according to an article in the Washington Post, the Arabs still engaged in slave trading of blacks as, as, as recent as 1993. While black, while, excuse me, while Africa's human capital was being displaced through slavery, so too were its natural and mineral wealth. Arab, Spanish, and Portuguese merchants traded low-value fabricated items such as pig iron, brass rings, religious, religious artifacts, household gadgets, and used firearms for Africa's highly-valued commodities such as gold, silver, quality leather, long cotton, art objects, black slaves, and ivory. European manufactured items were primarily for decorative purposes or tribal warfare. African commodities, on the other hand, were intentionally used to undergird major economies and currencies. This imbalance, described by Thomas Sowell, a Black economist, as the doctrine of unequal exchange, which allowed natural and mineral wealth to be transferred from Africa in a steady flow. Massive displacement of Africa's human capital and natural resources weakened Africa's social and economic institutions. The doctrine of unequal exchange depleted Africa's resources, but the wealth and revenue generated from commerce with Africa revived Europe's sagging economy with surplus funds in their treasuries, 
European nations strengthened their military and commerce communities. And by the 17th century, European nations had formed a competitive sense of racial togetherness within a European family. Did, did you hear that? They formed during this time a racial togetherness within the European family. In addition, they shared a common desire to possess more, if not all of Africa's wealth. As a result, Europeans established trading routes and outposts along the coast of West and South Africa. Foreign traders boldly ventured into the interior in search of natural resources and human black gold, exploiting tribalism to divide and conquer, traders supplied the chiefs with weaponry and other compensation for killing or enslaving other Africans. The traders succeeded in gaining control of much of the African continent. The self-destructive attitudes of the tribal chiefs has yet to be fully explained or understood. Both, excuse me, but historian Norman Coombs offered one explanation as to why the chiefs so willingly traded their valuable resources to European and Arab traders. According to Coombs, African tribal chiefs willingly participated in such questionable trade practices because West African economies were substance-based and therefore people were satisfied with the status quo and saw no need to accumulate wealth and power. True or not, white traders took advantage of the tribal chiefs' generosities and this self-destructive tribalism, self-enslavement, and lack of concern for wealth were interpreted by Europeans as signs of inferiority. They believed these uncivilized, childlike heathens neither appreciated nor deserved their God-given wealth. Consequently, whites rationalized that it was their moral duty to take and utilize Africa's wealth and put blacks to productive work as slaves. And by the latter part of the 15th century, West Africa's great trading markets had been closed down by Arab invaders and its great university centers were under the control of Arab scholars. The interference of Arabs and Europeans into the government, educational and religious affairs of West Africa caused the economic conditions of Africa and Europe to reverse. Africa grew poorer while Europe grew richer and more powerful. Now, it was no mere co coincidence that in the latter part of the 15th century, Europe began recovering from centuries of poverty while Africa was increasingly exploited of its mineral wealth and human capital. As millions of Africans were being kidnapped and sold into slavery around the world, slavery became a simple mechanism by which the wealth of Africa and Blacks could be transferred to Europe. Displacement of African wealth was so massive during the 1500s and 1600s that political upheaval and social upheaval resulted in it. Northwestern European nations won the competition against 
Southern European nations to determine which would become the major slave trading region. Southern European banks were the first to feel the effects of the influx of new European wealth. Banking and commerce activity in Western Europe caused a lending and investing revolution that resulted in the relocation of the International Banking Center from the Mediterranean area to Western Europe. The old mercantile economic principles eventually evolved into the basic economic principles of modern capitalism and political doctrines. With their newly acquired wealth, the major goal of European nations was to accumulate large amounts of gold and other precious metals. Most European nations needed to replenish their depleted gold reserves. Further, Europeans wanted access to raw materials, especially gold and silver, because of their unusual value and rarity. The amount of gold and silver owned by developing European nations was a measure of their newfound prosperity. The new mercantile merchants fostered and promoted a new capitalistic principle. In order for one person to gain wealth, another must lose wealth. Slavery represented a viable means by which one might be enriched at the expense of others. Western Europeans entered slave trading in the 16th century and applied the new capitalistic principles to old trading practices. Achieving maximum return on investments became the rule. Under Roman laws, slaves had certain rights, but under English laws, slaves were treated as property with no rights. Black slaves were reduced to a level of chattel equal to property or any other tool. To achieve maximum return on their investments, black slaves were to be worked to death during their prime years in order to recapture the investment as early as possible because all black slaves had no value. In 1664, an English Puritan reportedly called slave trading the worst kind of thievery in the world. Upset. Thank you for listening and be sure to check out the next episode and tell others about it. So until then, peace and God bless in the name of Jesus. Upset.